Uh, tonight, uh, the overarching topic, the, the main question uh, Jesus seeks to answer for us all is found in verse 21. So, so look there with me. Uh, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So, so here in this verse, we see that the main question that Jesus seeks to answer is this. Who's going to enter the kingdom? Who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven? And to let it make it more personal, will you enter the kingdom of heaven? Uh, but before we unpack Jesus' answer, I think to help us grasp the, the weight of this question, we need to first understand what the kingdom of heaven is. What is the kingdom of heaven? See, for most of us, when we hear the phrase kingdom of heaven or when we think about just heaven in general, we envision like cartoon images of naked little cute babies uh, floating around on clouds, uh, playing harps and such. Or we think of golden roads and pearly gates and winding staircases. But the Bible gives us a much different picture of heaven, a different picture. Instead of describing the kingdom of heaven as this airy, uh, uh, non-physical world that magically hangs in the sky, Scripture talks about heaven in much more earthy and physical ways. Uh, one of the most vivid descriptions of heaven in all of the Bible comes to us through the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. See, while sentenced to exile on the island of Patmos for testifying about Jesus, declaring uh, Jesus' name, God gave the Apostle John a vision. And in this vision, uh, it showed the Apostle John what was going to happen at the end of the age. What was going to happen when all of human history comes to an end and God fulfills his plans and purposes? What's going to happen? So that's what John receives in this vision. And part of that vision in the book of Revelation includes an amazing description of the kingdom of heaven. So listen to how John describes what he saw. Okay, this is what he saw. Look at, uh, it's in the cross-reference section, section. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. John says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And so just from this brief glimpse we get from John's vision, we see that the kingdom of heaven is not this ethereal land of fairies floating around, but rather God brings together. He, he reconciles heaven and earth, joining them together and even more, a new heaven and, and a new earth fully restored in all of its original beauty and perfection. And so that's what John's describing when he talks about this holy city dropping down to earth. It's, it's the joining of heaven and earth. So God doesn't do away with his creation. Uh, he restores it and then he gives it to us as a gift. 
And, and from John's vision, we also see that heaven is completely free from evil and suffering. John says there's no more mourning, uh, no more crying, no more pain. And even more, God himself, the creator, the one with infinite power and love and joy dwells there in all of his fullness. So the kingdom of heaven then refers to the time in history when God is going to make all things new. When he, when he fully establishes his sovereign reign over a people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. A people redeemed and, and purchased by the blood of Christ. And this people will live in complete submission to him in all ways and in everything. Uh, and always resulting in a world of unimaginable love. Endless joys and perfect peace. That's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven to come. And so the question before us tonight is who will enter? Who's going to inherit the vision that John has? Who is going to enter the kingdom of heaven in this room? And the first answer Jesus gives us is in verse four, uh, the first one. Verse, not everyone not everyone receives the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone enters the place where there's no more mourning or crying or sorrow. Not everyone inherits the holy city that touches down to earth. Not everyone. Remember in verse 14 earlier, few find the narrow gate. Few take the hard road uh, that's eternally, ro uh, eternally rewarding when they follow Jesus. Few take that road. So, so sorry, Oprah. Everyone does not go to the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus gets more specific. Look back at verse 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says. Now, the title Lord has a, a variety of uses in the Bible. You can see it used in a variety of different ways. For example, in Jesus' day and age, to call someone Lord could be a simple sign of respect. Uh, kind of like how we use the word sir today. Also, in that time, the term Lord could be translated as master, uh, especially in the context between a slave and his owner. But in the context of our passage today, it's clear that to call Jesus Lord is to identify, to profess him as the divine Lord of heaven and earth. The one deserving of all our allegiance, the one with authority and dominion over galaxies, the king of kings and lord of lords. And we know this. How do we know this? Well, because in the next verse, Jesus presents himself as the ultimate judge of humanity. That's a position reserved only for God. God judges humanity. And that's who Jesus presents himself to be. Or we could put it this way. To, to call Jesus Lord, it would be to say, I believe the claims of the gospel. I believe that, that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, uh, came down from heaven in glory, took on human flesh and all of its weaknesses and frailties and tears and sorrow, took on human flesh, but lived a sinless, pure, holy life, yet died a miserable death on the cross for our sins. And then, he, and then he rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, so that now all who believe, everyone who believes, all who call him Lord will be forgiven and receive eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But Jesus says, there are some who say to him, Lord, Lord, and notice it's twice. They're enthusiastic about it. 
They say, Lord, Lord. That is, they claim to believe the glorious gospel. They claim that Jesus is Lord. But according to Christ, they won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so who will is still the question. If merely saying Jesus is Lord doesn't guarantee our entrance, what does? What does? And Jesus answers in the second half of verse 21. So look back there with me. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does, does the will of my father who is in heaven. And so, and so now we can see what Jesus is getting at. He, he's contrasting, he's pointing out the difference between saying he's Lord and living like he's Lord. In other words, we can say all we want that we believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins, that he, that he rose again. But if we don't obey him, if we don't keep his commands, then our profession, our words mean nothing. They're empty. And, and this is how it works in all of life, right? I, I can say uh, with my mouth that I love my wife. Although I can tell her, I love you, I love you, I love you. But if my actions don't back that claim up, it doesn't mean anything. I can say I want to change all I want, but if I don't make concrete steps toward change, my words are empty. We can say all we want. Uh, I want to stop watching porn or I want to stop drinking and smoking or I want to stop watching so much Netflix. But if we never do anything to change, our words carry no weight. Have you heard the expression talk is cheap? It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything to say Jesus is Lord here in America. So Jesus says here, it's not who say Lord, Lord, but it's the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Yeah. So what does specifically Jesus want us to do? Well, he tells us, right, the will, the will of my father who is in heaven. That word will, it refers to, you know, one's desires, what, what you want. And so then to, to do God's will is to do what God wants. So to live how he wants us to live, to, to do school, to do dating and marriage and work and play, to do all of life his way. The way he calls us to live, not our crooked and sinful way. And that's what Jesus has been teaching us this whole time in the Sermon on the Mount. He's been revealing to us the will of God for our lives, teaching and instructing us in truth and wisdom. And he says to us now, it's not the one who says to me, Lord, Lord. It's not that one who went to the kingdom of heaven, but it's the one who takes my teachings and seeks to obey them all the days of their life. It's the one who lives like I'm Lord. And let me be clear, uh, uh, no one is made right with God because of good works, uh, because they prayed or donated money, money to the church or read their Bible or helped the needy. That's not what Jesus is saying. Listen, the whole testimony of the prophets and apostles in God's word is clear. We are welcomed into the kingdom by Jesus through faith. Through faith, because we trust and believe in the Son of God. That's the only reason we will enter the kingdom of heaven. And all Jesus' point is that if you really believe, if you really, uh, if your profession of faith is genuine, then you will seek to live your life according to God's way, God's will, not your own. So, so now after answering the question, who will enter the kingdom of heaven? Which one of you will enter? Jesus then describes the, the, the scene, what the scene will look like for those who say Jesus is Lord, but don't live like he's Lord. All right, so look at verse 22. Jesus says, 
on that day. So the scene before us is judgment day. The day every one of our secrets comes into the blazing light of God's holiness. The day you stand before God and he knows everything and are judged by Christ. And Jesus says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? In other words, they're laying before Jesus' feet their spiritual resumes. They've prophesied revelations about God. They've casted out demonic beings from people. They've done powerful miracles and note how they emphasized over and over again how they did it all in Jesus' name. And yet, what does Jesus say to them in verse 23? This is his response. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Jesus says, I don't know you. I've never acknowledged you as my own. And, and then he says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He banishes them from his presence. So, so students, that's their day, right? That's their judgment day. But what would ours look like? Lord, Lord, did we not attend church our whole lives? I, didn't I memorize verses in Awana? Didn't we go to a Christian school? Didn't our parents believe in you? Didn't I pray before meals? Didn't I sing songs of worship? Did we not? Did we not? Did we not? And Jesus says, if you did not do the will of God, I don't know you then. You're not mine. You can do all the religious stuff and not be known by the Lord of heaven and earth. Your profession has to match your life, and not just what you do in public, but what you do in private. He doesn't want hearers only. He wants doers too, hearers and doers. And, and to drive this, this point home, Jesus ends the, the greatest sermon ever preached, right? The Sermon on the Mount, and he does it with a simple illustration. He says there's two types of people in this world. There's two types. Those who build on rock and those who build on sand. Start reading me at verse 24. Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine. Students, you've heard the Sermon on the Mount. You heard Jesus teach you how to pray and love your enemy and not retaliate and walk in sexual purity. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. It collapsed. It was destroyed. It was in ruins. Great was the fall of it. He emphasized it's a terrible, terrible ruin to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be had the opportunity to receive the grace of God now. And then when you step before him, he says, depart from me. I don't know you. That's, that's, that's ruins. That's not what you want for your life. Is to think you're following Jesus and everything's okay and then to meet him and not know him and him to not know you. Great was the fall. So students, what are we building our lives on? What's, what's our lives built on? 
the moving, shaking sands in the world's values and lies or the eternal, unchanging truths of God revealed to us through Jesus? What are we standing on? And that's an important question because what you build your life on determines that question. Will you enter the kingdom? Is your destiny to drink from rivers of, del of delight and joy forever? Are you to experience the new heavens and the new earth, a kingdom that never perishes, no more cancer, no more disease, no more hate? Are you going to be a part of God's family? Will you enter God's kingdom one day? That's the question that we have to ask. Is your life then built on rock, Jesus' teachings, or is it built on the sand? Where do you stand? Let's pray. Father, I, man, I want them to come to the kingdom with me. And so I pray, Father, that you would, uh, and that you'd bring us, God, that uh, you would let us enter the kingdom and that we would do your will. We wouldn't just hear these teachings, but we would obey you. We would renounce sin. We would turn away from it and turn to you with all our heart and mind and strength that we would love you, God. And we can't do it on our own. There's so many temptations. There's so many things after us, so many things pulling us. Lord, help us, please. We don't want to meet your son and him to tell us that he doesn't know us, please. We want him to say, welcome, I've got a place for you. I went and prepared it for you. So Father, help us, help us, please. We need your help. We praise in Jesus' name, amen.